Welcome to Fun is Fundamental. Fun is Fundamental is a podcast for those who realize that the enjoyment of life is about having something deep in our souls which lights our fire. It's for those who maybe have lost that fire and feel like they are missing out on the pleasures of life. In each episode, I will share recent fun activities and focus on why having fun is essential for good health. I'm your host, Alenia, and I invite you to take this journey with me and join the pleasure-seeking movement. Good morning, Martin. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful, Leilania. I knew I was going to get it wrong. Leilania. Yes, yes, Lelania. <laughs> I knew I was going to get it wrong. <laughs> so, that, that's okay. I mean, it's not an easy name. I like I I had I had teachers that like a year would go by and they still would say my name wrong. So <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I guess like first, tell tell me about like your own journey. Uh, with you know finding a more abundant life and right. you know things like that. Yeah. All right. So just to give the audience a little context, I, I, I'm known as the architect of the Warriors Life Code. And for me, life is an acronym for live incredibly full every day. And uh, I'd love to say that I was always like that, but I wasn't. Uh, and for me, that live incredibly full every day encompasses happiness and meaningful. Having a happy life, abundant life mindset, and doing meaningful things. You know, there are people out there who are happy or not doing anything meaningful. And there are people out there doing meaningful things and not being happy. So it's about encompassing all that. And I'd say that the best way for me to talk about this is go back to about 15 years ago, 2008. So for the five years prior to that, my wife and I were working on a project to build a multi-million dollar health club and tennis center in New Jersey. And uh, it took us five years because we had to find the land. Then we had to get the approvals and the feasibility study and everything along the way, architect, engineers, and go back and say, oh, you need to get a civil engineer to see how it's going to affect traffic, all these things. And that took us five years. Now, if we had finished in 2006 or 2007, the bank was like handing out money. It was almost as if you were going to Costco and you were getting samples from the lady on the end of the aisle. You know, <laughs> and you, you could have lunch in Costco for free. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah. it was that kind of thing. You'd walk into the bank and they go, oh, you want to refinance your mortgage? Well, I did it two years ago. Oh, don't worry. We'll get you a higher valuation and we'll get you refinance. Great. Beautiful. That was what it was in 2005, six, seven. Luck would happen. It would be 2008. So it's the summer of 2008. We finally get all the approvals. We go to the bank. We're like, we're ready. You know, yeah, we're not lending right now. Things are slowing down. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm three plus million into this. And I've been working for the last five years for this. No, nothing we could do about it. A month later, Bernie Madoff, the subprime loans, the financial world crashes like a house of cards. And where am I? I'm on the bottom of the cards. I'm the joker on the bottom of the house of cards. They help. Uh, there was nothing I could do. Overnight, I was wiped out. And it took me about a year to pick myself up off the ground you know, mentally, I went into a depression, a situational type of depression. And finally, when I came out the other side, after some therapy and some coaching, I decided, okay, what do I want to do now? I have to reinvent myself. I decided I wanted to become a life coach uh, because I had been involved in community events my whole life and I was a leader. And as a leader, people come in and say, I don't know how much I can do. And I go, come on, I'll show you how much you can do. 
and I would show them their potential. That's what a life coach does. I said, okay, great. About two months before it was time for me to start coach training, it was my 24th wedding anniversary, and my wife said, I'm done. I want a divorce. I'm like, oh, my God. Why does everything keep happening to me? And I think that was part of the problem. I had this thing of everything is happening to me. Mm -hmm. And for the couple of years before, I knew it was coming, and I would say, I don't want to get divorced. I don't want to get divorced. But you know what the law of attraction heard? Divorce. I wasn't saying I want to stay married. Right. So I kind of put it out there. I said, okay, I'm going to go anyway to coach training. I went. And before I went, they said, read a couple of books. Here's a list. And one of them was the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Hmm. You know that book? Yeah, I, I haven't read it, but I know of it. Yeah. All right. Well, the second agreement is don't take anything personally. I'm like, what? That's what I've done my whole life. I've been a people pleaser. I didn't know at the time that I was a people pleaser. But looking back now, I was a people pleaser. And as a result, I took everything personally because I was trying to please everybody. You know, I was a people pleaser. Uh, I was a control freak. And worst of all, I had to make sure that everything was going my way. And if it didn't, I lost it. I was like a reactor, like a nuclear reactor. I would leave fallout all over the place. So I went into the coach training with this mindset of, okay, I'm not going to take anything personally. And they said, now, you don't have to be who you think you have to be. You could be whoever you want to be. I'm like, oh, wow. Well, now's the time to start changing because I'm getting divorced anyway. And I started down the path and I recognized the things that I was a people pleaser. And after a few years of being a coach as a divorce recovery coach, made sense. Mm -hmm. I just got divorced. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it made sense for me to do that. And I did, I was loving it. And I developed more and I recognized that I had gone from being self-conscious to self-aware, right? And to me, everybody thinks they're self-aware, but after you work with me for a while, you recognize most people are probably self-conscious and just saying they're self-aware. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between two. Self-conscious comes from negative energy, guilt, trying to please others, your ego. Self-awareness is, you know, a sense of contentment, uh, humility, uh, and, and saying, okay, whatever happens, it's not happening to me. And this is what I learned that I talk about this now. It happens through me, you know? So one day I was doing something that I wasn't very good at ever because I'm ADHD. I was meditating. <laughs> Could you imagine a guy meditating who's ADHD for even 10 minutes guided? When is this going to be over? <laughs> <You know? laughs> How do people keep their minds stopping from going all over? Yeah. But I have this download of information that I love my life and that I liked who I was and I was loving myself and I was starting to date as well. And I said, I wanted to show other people how to do that. So after my meditation, I wrote for two hours and after out of that came life, living incredibly full every day. Mm -hmm. And it's about shifting my mindset from lack, which is I can't or, oh, what's happening to me to abundance is how can I and how can I have happen things happened through me. Mm -hmm. What, who would you say is your ideal client? That's a good question. My ideal client is someone who's looking at their life and they're having that existential crisis of, is this all there is? I'm working like crazy and I'm turning the wheels and I'm not happy. And why am I not happy? I have the job I think I wanted, but it's not fulfilling me. Well, that's where I come in. And I tell them, well, 
It could be all there is, but it's how you're looking at it. Or maybe there's something different that has to happen. It could be anybody. It could be an entrepreneur. It could be a business owner. It could be someone that works for people who wants to figure out where they're going in their career, in their careers. But it's make wanting people who saying, "I think I'm self-aware, but I'm really self-conscious," and they don't even recognize it. And they're like, "Why do I feel like every morning I get up, I feel dread?" Instead of waking up and saying, "Oh, what a day! I can't wait to conquer it." Yeah. Uh, what is your process of when you're working with clients? Like where, 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 how do you start? I guess, you know, how do okay. you, how do they start? Absolutely. So recently I came up with something for people, whether they're my clients or not, they can, they can get this. It's called the warrior to warrior card deck. Warrior with an O, warrior with an A, just for everybody out there. My Brooklyn accent screws that up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And in there, I start off by saying, let's admit what's not working for us. That's my admission stage. What's not working for me? And why is it not working for me? Okay. We're not going to stay back there. We're just going to reflect on the past and what hasn't worked and move forward. And the next up comes cleansing. It's like here all the time. It takes 21 days to change a habit, right? So you've got to change those habits. You've got to change those things that aren't working for you. It could be your attitude. It could be the way you get up every morning. It could be so many things. And we break that, get down there into the nitty gritty and figure that out. And then we put in a plan to start changing it. I call that cleansing. And then the last part is celebration along the way. I'll give you an example. Someone wakes up one day and they say, okay, I want to lose 50 pounds. Right? So let's say I'm their coach. I go, okay, how are we going to do that? You've decided it's not working. I'm not eating right. I'm not working out right. Whatever the things are that are contributing to his their weight loss, to their weight, or whatever it is, they're unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So we set up an idea. Okay, I'm going to start exercising a little bit, and I'll build up to it. I'll start changing a little bit, and we'll see where it takes us. All right? And staying on track there. And having a coach is great as the accountability partner, because mm -hmm. I'm here to be your cheerleader. I'm here to support you. I'm also objective. All right. So as we're going, that's the cleansing coming in. Celebration is, okay, are we going to wait till you lose 50 pounds? No, let's celebrate at three pounds, at five pounds. You've done something. Now let's see what's working in there and what's not working and build on those things. Mm -hmm. and move forward from there. So I just like to use weight as an example. It's an easy one to get right in there and do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone understands the goal of losing weight. <laughs> like, I mean, right. even if even people that haven't had to lose weight still understand it. Like it's very concrete. Right. Um, but you can take those same principles and put them into other things with coaches helping you figure out what it is you want and what it's holding you back and how to unlock them and unleash them. Mm -hmm. One of my uncover series, which is a seven word acronym for the seven steps it would take to get what you want. Mm -hmm. Um, do, do you ever encounter people that don't know what they want? Cause a lot of times like people like often will be like, I, I know I don't want this, yes. but do they actually know what they want? <laughs> no, I would say it's more often than not, but here's the beauty. They know most of the times if they're coming to a coach, they know what they don't want. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Well, why don't you want it? How is it serving you or not serving you? And now that we've understood this, let's start looking into the things that maybe you want. 
And we should go down this road. And if it's not what you want, you say, okay, great. I tried that. I'm not going to do that. I'll give you a perfect example. My stepson, I got married about five years ago. So I'm very, I, you know, I got went through the process. I fell in love with myself in a good way. And I went out there. I started dating. And I met a woman. And we've been married for five years now. That's great. Congratulations. And she fell in love with me. And I fell in love with her in a good way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so my stepson is going to Israel for a month to learn about EMT and he'll become like a basic EMT uh, technician. Nah, he's 16, but he's going to get some good training there. Why is he doing this? Because he's thinking he might become an emergency medical doctor. So now he goes to this thing and he realizes, you know what? I don't like what this is doing. He comes back. He goes, I don't want to be a emergency medical doctor. Fantastic. If he comes back and he says, I do want to be a medical doctor. Fantastic. Yeah. He's knocked it off his list either way. Mm -hmm. And now if he's ready to go for it, great. This is what you got to do. This is what it's going to take. If not, okay, let's find something else. Yeah. Well, it's good, you know, at 16, figuring out what you want to do. Right, I mean, absolutely. But at 36, at 46, it doesn't matter. I didn't start changing it until I was 50. Yeah, yeah. Um, You said there was, uh, you had another Ackerman for like, uh, uh, for the seven-step program. Yeah, uncover. Uh, yeah. What's, uncover? Uncover. So uncover, the seven steps to uncover your greatness so you can live, enjoy life, and live incredibly full every day. You unlock and unleash, unlock what's keeping you stuck and unleash the frustrations you're holding on to so you can start your journey. We talked about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Navigate how your emotional roller coaster is holding you back. Choose the values that are most important in your life. When I got, when I look back now, when I got married, I didn't even know what a value was. I went through coaching, I understood it, and I realized that my wife and I, our values, my first wife, were never aligned. Now, we were married for over 25 years at the end of the day. By the time we got divorced, it was officially 25 years. I have four children, eight beautiful grandchildren, and I'm very happy. We had many happy, good years. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we weren't supposed to be married because our, we were codependent and our values were not aligned. So that's the choose. Oh, obtain the tools you need to correctly respond to all situations. Now, for me, I went from being a reactor to a responder visualize who you want to be from here on out. And once you start to visualize it, then you can E, embrace the new life you're creating and enjoy your endless potential. And then R, reclaim your strong, confident, happy life to live incredibly full every day. Yeah. I don't know. Let's break that. Let's break that down a little bit. Um. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Which one uh, is, that sounds like it's interesting. I guess, you know, um, what was the, uh, I remember what <laughs> well, we got navigate your emotions, choose the values, obtain the tools you need, visualize, embrace. Um, how about obtain the tools? What does like, what does that, that entail? What does that, what's okay. that? So on June 14th, my book is being released, which is in a few days from now. So it'll probably be released by the time this video, this, um, this, uh, excuse me, my mind's going back, podcast comes out. <laughs> so let's look for Obtain. Obtain is chapter 16. 
okay? It's 15, 16. In here, we have things like when you, when you are, are, are faced with uh, an argument or a conflict, there are five different ways that you can face those. You can suffer. You can be the victim and just let everything happen to you. You can accept it. You can say, does this really affect me? You can change the situation. You could avoid it. Or you could alter the experience. And I go into deeper a little bit over there. And, you know, there's things like that. For me, the obtain is understanding your you are in control of your emotions. So by obtaining the tools to understand how to build your emotional strength will take you from your emotions controlling you to you are controlling your emotions. Why did you uh, choose um, the term warrior? Okay, it's a great question. So like I said, you know, five, six, seven years ago. I don't remember exactly when it was. I came up with life. Live incredibly full every day. And I got married and things were going great. And then all of a sudden, something happened in 2020. Uh, this little thing called a pandemic <laughs> yeah. that threw everybody off, right? It was March, 2020. And they said, okay, you got to lock down for three weeks, right? And then after that, everything should be okay. Now me, I was going out every day. I was putting on my mask. At the time, I was even putting on my gloves. I was going to the supermarket. I was taking a walk and all that. So now it goes into March, into April, into May. And the world is still locked down. So I turned to my wife. I said, let's take the kids and go to Manhattan, go to New York City. We live in Brooklyn. Now, if you've ever been in New York City, it, driving down Fifth Avenue could take a long time. <laughs> Because there's so many cars. But this was Sunday afternoon, and it's like that on Sundays too. It doesn't, didn't change. It, you know, in general, it, Sunday is just as bad as any other day of the week in New York City. Mm -hmm. Not that day. We drove straight down Fifth Avenue without missing a traffic light. Wow. And we could stop whenever we want, park wherever we want, in front of any of the museums down Museum Mile on Fifth Avenue, take pictures, get back in, go to Times Square. Nobody was out. And I looked at my wife, I said, Sarita, where is everybody? What is everybody so worried about? At worst, put your gloves on, put your mask on, walk outside, stay six feet away from each other. But everybody was in that worry mentality, the sky is falling chicken little. Mm -hmm. So I was like, why are we not worried? Why are we out and not worried and everybody else is? And I realized in the last 10, 12 years at that point, going through the divorce, going through the uh, 2008 crash, uh, my weight journey, which I didn't talk about, I had gotten very heavy and I turned myself around, lost 65 pounds in nine months, had taught me that I could handle anything that comes my way. I went from being somebody who was worried about everything and a people pleaser to becoming somebody who didn't care so much. I figured out I'll get through it. So I got onto Facebook and I said, guys, I get it. I know why you're worried. I was too. And this is what I did. So let me show you how to go from being a warrior to a warrior. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Lawyer's Life Code came from. Nice. Yeah. Um, learning how to be resilient is probably one of the best lessons anyone can learn. You know? Yeah. yeah. I'll give you another example of resiliency. So here I am in divorce. I move about an hour away from my children. 
Okay. I, I grew up in Brooklyn. When I got married, we moved to New Jersey. Okay. I'm come from an Orthodox Jewish community. We celebrate Shabbat. We shut down everything and we don't use electronics, don't drive a car and stuff like that. So my kids would come to me every other weekend. I'd go to New Jersey, bring them back to Brooklyn and they'd come with me. And Friday night is a big night for us. Okay, it's a Friday night dinner, family. And I have four older sisters and my mother. And when they would come in, we'd go to them for Friday night dinner. One day, one of my kids turned to me and said, Dad, do we always have to go to grandma with one of the aunts? Can't we just stay home and have Friday night dinner? So I said, uh, yeah, I guess so. If you're patient with me and let me learn how to cook, then we can do it. Because my wife, my ex-wife, fantastic cook. My mother, my sisters, also unbelievable cooks. I'm like, okay. So there's resiliency. I learned to adapt. And now when I met this new woman, who's my, my wife, she works in corporate America. She doesn't have time to cook. She doesn't like to cook. She's a very good cook. And I do. And I work out of my house because I'm a life coach and my other job that I do, which is in international logistics, I, I can be by my desk. Mm-hmm. And once in a while, I'll go to an appointment and so on and so forth. Yep. I said, I fell in love with cooking. For me, it became my place for me to do my deepest thinking and get through. And now my, her family says, we're only going to Uncle Martin's house for Friday for, for Thanksgiving. He <laughs> makes the best Thanksgiving. <laughs> nice. I'm glad that you found that. <laughs> it is resiliency. Yeah, yeah. Um, how does one change their mindset from lack to abundance? Yeah, it's. I would wish they, I wish we could just take a magic pill or snap our fingers and you know be like bewitched who from the '60s and just be like that. You know, the TV mm-hmm. show from the '60s. Yeah. But it doesn't work that way. No, not at it all. Takes, <laughs> it takes time. It's not something that and. The, the thing is, people say, okay, I'm working on, I'm working on. And then they have a setback. They go, oh, back to square one. No, you took three steps forward, one step back. Mm-hmm. Build on that and become aware of what happened so that the next time, maybe you won't do that again. And it starts by changing the words in, of lack from I can't to how can I? Because I can't is a defeatist lack attitude. Mm-hmm. So if you start from there, then you're on, on your way. Yeah. Well, and I mean, everyone just, you know, they everyone is wanting like really fast results for everything. Yeah. And obviously when it comes to changing very deep rooted patterns that we have established over decades, <laughs> like we can't, <laughs> we can't escape, <laughs> expect that we're going to, magically like wake right. up one morning and be different it's like no yeah. you gotta keep working at it especially because if it's too quick it's not sustainable mm-hmm. you'll easily fall back into the old patterns without even realizing yeah and you'll rationalize saying well i tried and it didn't work to me rationalize is a bad word rationalize is really two words rational lies hmm. Of course, I have a card on it. <laughs> so whenever you think you may be doing something that goes against your values, you'll rationalize all the reasons why it's okay. What you're really doing is lying to yourself that it's rational to think that. They're nothing more than rational lies. Hmm. Right? So yeah. you decide you don't want to exercise this morning. I'm too tired. Really? Are you too tired? 
mm-hmm. where you're looking for a reason that's yeah. nothing more than a veiled excuse that's really a rational lie. Because usually you start working out about 10 minutes into it, your endorphins kicking you up. I'm so glad I did this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you could say, okay, am I rationalizing or am I really tired? And then you make that decision and then you live with the consequences now that you're aware of it. Either way, good consequences, bad consequences. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess like just having that realization of like, okay, so what 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 is my what am I doing right now? You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. So how has in your new life, your new mindset, yeah. how has that improved your, how much fun you have? Oh, <laughs> well, here's what happens. I used to wake up every morning saying, oh, what am I going to do today? This is going to be a drag. I can't, I'm not looking forward to this. Uh, and, and that would set me off to the wrong path. And then something would happen. And then my my default tendency of being reacting would come into play and then it would just snowball out of effect. Now I wake up every morning, I take out my gratitude journal. Literally I have one and it's, it's me. It's a moleskin, you know, one of those good quality ones, Mm -hmm. not one of those little things that are whatever. Yeah. It's got quality to it. It's got meat to it because I want to utilize it. And I write down at least three things I'm grateful for. It could be anything. I'm so grateful that the smoke that was around my house the last two days is gone from the the Canadian wildfires. Mm -hmm. I could breathe again. I'm so grateful that my wife made me a cup of coffee. Whatever. Just find something to be grateful. And you'll build on it. Then for me, I pray. I take a moment and I pray to God and I recognize his existence in my life. Now, there are some people who are not religious or spiritual. Maybe they believe in a higher power, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, figure it out for yourself. Be, find that spiritual self in yourself and use that. Everybody has their own. And then, for me, I say my mantra. I live incredibly full every day. And now I'm setting myself up for whatever comes and looking for the opportunities that come with it. Yeah. I Yeah, just being open to everything and having like a different mindset of how you start your day just automatically opens you up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Would you say you've gotten more spontaneous because of that? Uh, In some ways. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you an example there. Uh, About two years ago, it was coming into the summer and I was thinking, I want to do something on my bucket list. Right. I have this bucket list. It's not really fully written out. But there's something I've always wanted to do, and I've always come up with an excuse why not to do it. I rationalized that I shouldn't do it. And that's how I decided to do it, and it was to go skydiving. So my wife's like, don't tell me you're doing this. Just do it. Don't tell me till afterwards. (laughs) But I had such a blast. I loved every second of it. It was fantastic. Yeah, I I can understand that one being like kind of a... (laughs) (laughs) just like i'm just gonna go it yeah how do you define fun how do i define fun that's a great question so for me fun is finding the good finding the happiness the joy in whatever you're doing for me for me two fun things at the top of the list is cooking and watching everybody eat my food and enjoy each other's company 
And two, spending time with my grandchildren, you know, and just having fun. Last week, I stopped by my daughter for three minutes. And my one-year-old grandson, who's about 16, 16, 17 months old at this point, turns to me, looks at me, goes, Papa. I was like, oh, he said it. Hey. <laughs> Alan said my name. He said, Papa. I was in heaven. So yeah. for me, it's looking for the positive every day and making fun from it. For example, I have it in my thing, a quota, that I make somebody laugh every single day. Hmm. And when I do, it could be even at the supermarket with the cashier, and I make them laugh, and I say, oh, thanks. You just helped me fill my quota. What are you talking <laughs> about? Yeah, you by, by, by you laughing, I filled my quota to let somebody laugh. Mm -hmm. Now, instead of just laughing and walk away, I left them with a lasting impression. Yeah. And I made them feel good for that moment. <laughs> Definitely. Um, speaking of laughter, when's the last time you laughed so hard it hurt? Oh. When's the last time I laughed? Uh, I would say it has to do with my grandchildren again. Mm -hmm. Last summer, uh, I bought them a slip and slide for the house we rent by the by the by the shore in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And my stepson decided, let's put a little bit of dish soap on the slip and slide. <laughs> <laughs> so, like the kids were doing, it and they're like, "Come on, Papa, you do it!" And I went flying, and I passed the the slip and slide by after I I went past it about oh. twenty feet, sliding on the grass. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I laughed very hard. I can imagine. Um, I mean, slip and slide is one of those things that I feel like you can never not laugh. That's right. Doing That's that. right. <laughs> um, I like to ask everyone what their play personality is. According to the Institute, Institute of Play, um, there are eight play personalities. Okay. Uh, Joker, kinesthetic, competitor, explorer. What was that for that last one? Explorer. Oh, explorer. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, creative, um, storyteller, collector, and director. Wow. And and you can be more than one. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I'm all of them, but no, seriously. <laughs> I'm definitely a storyteller. I'm a joker. Uh, and there was another one that I felt like I was. Um, I, I didn't understand what the collector was or the protector. So uh, I'm not really a protector. I uh, am, uh, I'm a director. A director. I, don't, yeah. I, I guess I'm a bit of a director but i'd say really mostly the storyteller and the joker would be the top of my my list yeah i i i kind of i kind of guessed that because just from, from our conversation we, yeah. we've talked about laugh like you wanted to make people laugh yeah and um and obviously i've listened to your stories so i'm like hmm those yeah. those two definitely seem like like them right right, right. Um, <laughs> um what's like your favorite place you've ever traveled 
Uh, for me, uh, I, I love going to Israel. I love it. It's part of my heritage. It's part of my my being, being Jewish. Okay. Uh, so going to Israel, and this year, just last month and a half ago, my wife and I went during its 75th birthday of oh. when it became a nation. Okay. And we just had such an unbelievable time going to the old city, going to the Western Wall, going into tunnels deep into the wall uh, and seeing new parts that they keep unearthing. I love it. I, I, I feel I feel at home. And I would love to go there one day and live there, but um, I don't want to leave my kids and well, yeah. all those other, other stuff. But it's a place that just calls to me. How often do you go? Well, um, we go every few years. We were supposed to go in the middle of the pandemic for her son's bar mitzvah, but that shut us down. Mm -hmm. uh, but we went right after we got married because her brother's children, two of her, her, her brother's twin boys, were having a wedding uh, bar mitzvah at the Western Wall. Mm -hmm. So they said, "Oh, you want to come? You guys got to be married first. So we got married three weeks before. Of course, we planned this all out. We had a beautiful wedding, and then we went on the on, <laughs> on the trip. It was a okay. family honeymoon, full yeah. family honeymoon. <laughs> and then six months later, we went when her son was studying in Israel in the gap year." Okay. So we try to go every couple of years. That's good. At most. Yeah. We have an yeah. opportunity to go in this again this year and we'll see. We might do it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I like um I like being able to like really explore a place, you know. And so like mm -hmm. you being able to go back you going back over and over and over. Like you really get to know a place. Yeah. Every time we go, we find other things to do. Yeah, because like I've lived, I've lived in some other countries, and the difference between like living somewhere or like you know really exploring someplace like for extended period, compared to like you know a week, yeah, yeah, it's just like night and day. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I actually, when I was, I did a, I did a half a gap year, and I lived in the old city of Jerusalem over forty years ago. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> when I was when I was nineteen. Uh, yeah, I was 19. It was 1982. So it was 41 years ago. Wow. And uh, it was interesting because when we were looking for a hotel this time when we went, we, we were part of a trip that was starting on Sunday. So we got there Thursday and we wanted to stay in Jerusalem and we're like, okay, let's stay in this hotel, that hotel. So I said, let me look what's available in the old city. Okay. And the place, the school that I went to has since been sold and turned into a hotel. My oh. wife's like, yeah. We're not staying there, but it's great to see it because <laughs> it's it's hundreds of years old. I mean, they've redone it. She's like, "No, I want a pool. I want to hang out on Saturday and not." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah." But yeah, I mean, that's how that's how deep Israel is for me. I, I I lived in the old city. Wow, that's really great. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, it's been so awesome talking to you. Um, how can the audience find you? So the best way to find me is to go to connectwithmartin.com. Hmm. And when they go there, they can get a bunch of gifts for free. Like uh, about a year or so ago, somebody asked me to speak on a children's, uh, on a parent's summit. So for the parents, I could, for the children, I created a coloring book around the seven, the secret, seven secrets to an abundant warrior mindset which is another seven steps of war, uh, acronym for warrior. Oh. And then afterwards, the parents were like, can I have one too? 
So we <laughs> created a coloring book for adults, a coloring book for kids. You oh, I love it. Get, thank you. You can get my book there as of June 14th, which will take you to Amazon. You can get my card deck there. You could also reach out and say you want to have a conversation with me. That's awesome. So I came up with connectwithmartin.com. I, yeah. No, I, I, I love that. A lot of times people have like just like their first last name kind of thing. But I like, you know, that you're like connect, you know, connect with it. You know, I like that. All about the connections. It is. It is. <laughs> well, I hope you have a good rest of your day. And thank you so much for being on. Thank you. And, and remember, live incredibly full every day. Living incredibly full every day. <laughs>